back to I almost said Star Wars Minute. (laughs) Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes. The movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us once again to close out the week is our very special guest of the Star Wars Minute, Alex Robinson. Hello, Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland. Hello. <laughs> thanks for me back, guys. Ah, thanks, thanks for, for coming. coming back. <laughs> so this is a little bit of a tense minute here to, to, to finish out the week. Minute 15 of the movie This Is Spinal Tap starts with Ian and Bobby Fleckman in the Polymer Records Hospitality Suite. It ends with the White Album. What was that? And in between, we get a whole minute of Ian and Bobby talking about album covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So be- before we get into the album cover talk, I want to make sure we I teased a little bit of a story. Well, not a story. I teased a theory that I have uh, about uh, some of the- these minutes in the Polymer Records hospitality suite. And it pertains to the mouth sores on the band members' lips. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I noticed is that the sore on Nigel's lips are kind of to the right, and the sore on David's lips are kind of to the left. <laughs> and I would think that if, you know, if they were both had been kissing someone who had a sore, so they both got the sore from the same person, wouldn't their sores be in the same place? Whereas if one of them gave the sore to the other, you know, their mouths are kind of mirror images. And I'm not sure if if that's how mouth sores work, but that's what I thought when I first saw the movie. The first dozen times I saw the movie is that one had given the sores to the other because they were kind of mirror images of each other. And that was kind of my my sore theory. A a, uh, Mick Jagger, David Bowie scenario here? Sure, potentially. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't want to put labels on it, but just that that's what I just saw that. The sores weren't in the same place. They were on opposite sides for the two of them. Right. So it didn't it didn't seem intuitive to me that, oh, they both got them making out with the same groupie or with the same other person. You know, and, well, and we guess, know that these, you know, they're very close, these two. Yeah. Alex? Uh, well, I don't know enough about uh, mouth sores to know, like, if it's, is it like, does it work like that? Or I just imagine it gets once the virus gets into your body, it doesn't it can break out anywhere, not necessarily where the contact was. But hey, I defer to the experts on, the, on this one. So, Sean, are you, yeah, are you ready to call yourself an expert, or are you just no. a hobbyist? I'm or an no, expert. I'm, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not calling myself an expert. I'm just saying this is what I thought when I saw the movie. But as you know, through rewatching and research. Theories can change and and stuff. We we discover new things. We grow. I'm I'm open to growth. So yeah, not not an expert. Not an expert. Well, I guess okay. you. I don't remember if we uh, talked about it yesterday. It seems so long ago now. Um, <laughs> did we talk about the whole subplot with the groupies and how that thing already? No, I think I think we touched. If, if memory serves, we mm-hmm. we touched on it briefly that there was a deleted subplot. Right. But we didn't get too much into detail. Just that there, there, yeah, there's deleted scenes kind of explaining the source of the cold sore. 
Yeah, um, it's been a long time since I watched the like hour of deleted scenes, but I do remember that the. It was, I think it was actually. I don't think it was groupies. I think it was their opening act that gave them the. Right. Um, it was uh, Stella Zine. Virus was her right. name. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. The only comments I could make on this would be not safe for anybody listening, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but I will say I am also not a sexpert on this subject, so maybe <laughs> our listeners can do the research and get back with us. Um, in the groupies lounge is probably the most appropriate place to, <laughs> to talk the, about your virus issues. Talk about your, yeah, cold source. Well, speaking of which, I guess this is the first time we really learn the specifics of the Smell the Glove album cover in this minute. Bobby goes into great detail about what is causing so much of the uh, fuss. Right, right. We've we've heard that there's there's rumbles, there's issues that the record company is exploring different packaging concepts, but now we we get into some specifics of of why this record might not be released at least the way the band imagines it. Mm Mm-hmm. When I was rewatching this today, I was wondering then, is this a great, you know, another good little improv spot where Ian's attentively listening while Bobby says, you know, this thing and then this thing, you know, you don't find this offensive, <laughs> greased, <laughs> naked woman. Yes. On all fours. Yes. So the, you know, she is that all just like popping up in her head and she's she's painting a picture on the spot because that's pretty creative improv there i'd say <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a shame that we don't i almost want to split screen we don't see ian's reaction till the towards the end of this minute and bobby's just laying it on he comes in and he's a little wishy-washy he's like oh we feel that there may be you know the company's rather down mm-hmm. on the cover and then she comes back strong saying no we're not down we straight up don't like it and we're not right. going to release it. Um, and then when we finally do see him, when the camera turns to him at the end, he looks a little bit like a, a puppy that's been chastised. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very, yeah, a very strong moment for Bobby to, to, to come out and, uh, and for Fran as well. And if, if this is improv, I, I've got to imagine that the, while the wording and the language may be something she came up with on the spot, the, the concept for the cover must have been something that was in the works. Certainly they had the name Smell the Glove. Right. Yeah. But I could imagine saying, you figure it out. It's called <laughs> yeah. Smell the Glove. Go from there. You know, right. that sounds like a, a good yes and spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, then she carries a, it. Just out of curiosity, I looked up, I Googled Smell the Glove to see if then, because <laughs> I, I assumed that someone had to have done a, you know, some fan had to have done a um, version of this. Mm-hmm. The album cover and there are some but none that quite none that really uh fit it exactly surprisingly were there details that weren't right or what was it that wasn't quite working for you well let me see i'm, I'm doing it right now just to remind myself um well I there's I've... go ahead so i was just gonna say i know i've seen some that I don't know if they're from the band. They look official. I don't know if they're fan created or not, but it's, you know, it's a hand holding a glove, kind of shoving it in a woman's face, but it's closer up. So you you can see she's got a collar on, but you you can't tell that she's on all fours and some of the other things. Or greased or naked. Or greased or naked. You just, it's just her face and the glove and um, she doesn't look happy about the glove. Yeah. 
Well, she, I mean, she, <laughs> anyway, I'm skipping ahead to, to <laughs> the making the jokes about, you know. Sure. She should be forced to smell it, but, you know, <laughs> not over and over Just again. Once, you, know. you know, not over and over. <laughs> yeah, so we're getting ahead of ourselves, but, um, yeah, that's the, I'm surprised no one has done it sort of as an ironic kind of wink to, uh, you know, as a tribute to, like, some metal band hasn't done I guess maybe they have, right. but they just didn't call it "Smell the Glove" or they just didn't want to get sued or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, well, maybe anyway. um, maybe metal, some huh? you know talented cartoonist or cartoon artist could do some sort of rendering. If we knew anybody like that, they might be able to get the details right that these guys didn't do. Do you know anybody like that, Alex? <laughs> I'm sure you could find someone willing to draw a grease naked woman on all fours. <laughs> <laughs> someone, will, someone will come up with it but uh, yeah it's a, it is a provocative uh, cover as that very said. provocative indeed yes so i was looking at the imdb page just for the the movie and was just sort of going back over it mm-hmm. you know just to kind of look up different people who were in it and i noticed there was somebody that was credited as the rack jobber hmm yeah. And so we looked up what rack jobber is because that didn't really sound familiar to me. So this is a, a this is part of this scene, but a little bit earlier when they're talking to the other people in the hosp- hospitality suite, and one person is named as the what is he the Southern Rock promoter, and Something then like right next to that it says rack jobber. So right. it, and it's I think it's a person without I don't have it right in front of me, but if memory serves, it's someone without their face. You know, in the there's not a picture of them on IMDb, so right. Yeah, it's a uh, JJ Barry, who yeah is not famous famous enough to have his picture <laughs> with his profile in IMDb, so we can't exactly match up by face. Did you look up what a rack jobber is? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we did. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, so a rack jobber is somebody who fills the racks of, in this case, probably a record shop. Or with the CDs, with the cassettes, with the albums. So they're like the person that goes in and fills the racks. They are the rack jobber, which I definitely never knew that name before. At first, we were thinking maybe it was, you know, the guys that were like setting up the equipment, some of the roadies. Yeah, that was my first kind of assumption that, oh, he's putting equipment on racks and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's actually the someone who who, uh, stocks the racks in a, in a market or a store or something like that. so meaning literally like like the person who is works in the store and puts stuff that seems like a pretty menial job to be someone at a well we're thinking a yeah corporate I, event at a you know industry yeah. event like that yeah i was thinking um and sean reminded me of this when he was talking about his his sister earlier off mic but his sister sister. (laughs) but that um i used to work for tower records well actually bayside which was their bayside was the an offshoot of tower that did the distribution of like the alt comics and the alt smaller record labels and stuff so all the cool interesting stuff and um i think that would be somebody or kind of like when you go to the grocery store and somebody that's stocking the product, but they don't work at the grocery store. They're the ones coming in and they like, I we work for Dorito or we work for Frito-Lay, you know, we're mm-hmm. filling up the racks. So maybe it's somebody that works for some part of the distribution rather than somebody that works in the store hmm. is the idea that I got from that. But 
You guys yeah, are going to so have to have someone on who's an expert in the like a movie, <laughs> a music industry expert on to. Yeah, yeah, testify. I think I could probably find <laughs> one of those tower, tower infamous tower record employees um, out of Sacramento to probably talk. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah. So I, yeah, I didn't, I'm not sure how it works in in the record business. But I know a lot. A lot of the things you'll see in in retail or in a market it are are stocked by people that worked for the wholesaler or the distributor. They don't work for the market. For example, if, if you go into a deli or something like that, and they've got a fridge with products from a particular company, like Coke products, that someone from the Coca Cola distributor comes in and fills that that fridge up with Coke products. That isn't someone from the deli running out and picking up soda to, to put in there. So uh, I guess that's kind of a, a rack job or type job. And I'm yeah. assuming these jobs are all long since gone and since the record industry has uh, collapsed since yeah. this. Well, oh, yeah. yeah, certainly there are, there are, there aren't many racks to, uh, to job. Although uh, record store day is coming up in a couple of weeks. So uh, there are record stores out there and they do have records. Just not as many as there were in 1982. And I would imagine that they're stocking their own records there. They're not They're not bringing in the rack jobbers, but maybe we can find out. Yeah. Well, there's probably not as much turnover in terms of you're not getting new releases or, or not the same number of new releases that you were mm-hmm. getting. Although apparently vinyls made quite a comeback. I keep hearing that, uh, that some of the s- smaller bands and smaller companies – smaller publishers are actually having trouble finding presses to press the vinyl mm. because demand has gone gone up. All those hipsters <laughs> <laughs> and their turntables and whatnot. So uh, yeah. Bobby Fleckman brings up the White Album. Yeah. Uh, that was the first CD I ever bought was the White Album. Mm. There you go. There's a little bit so of So you bought it. So when you first bought it, it was on CD? Uh, no, I think I probably had the cassette beforehand but when i finally made the jump to i'm old gotcha. enough where i was mostly cassettes were what i bought tiny bit of vinyl that first album i ever bought was weird al yankovic in 3d on vinyl <laughs> uh, i remember my first cassette it was probably one of those columbia store things where although right. i think this is the soundtrack to this is spinal tap was probably in that first batch of of 12 or whatever you know 12 for a penny 14 for a right penny. right yeah. And then the first CD I bought was the White Album, even though there was nothing. There was nothing on that cover. <laughs> what was that cover? There was nothing. So when you bought it, do you remember, was it still in the, the those early days where they'd put them in those long Short, cardboard uh, cases? Long yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember when I first started collecting CDs, I'd keep those boxes kind of like they were decorative items or something after a while. I was like, collectors, collectors. <laughs> get rid of these. Yeah, that was another, I mean, there was a lot of, um, speaking of racks, there was a lot of uh, rack changes. Because those could slot, those could kind of slot into old record. Mm-hmm. Was that, um, I was wondering, what was the purpose of, of that other than just to waste you know, waste materials, the long boxes, was it? Because I guess there was kind of like half the width. You could fit two rows of CDs where yeah. you had one row of, of LPs before, but it, it, the, the packaging added the height, so it kind of fit the same rack. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why when they did get rid of the long boxes, they had those awful plastic, Ugh. you know, those kind of like frames that you had to have them unlock for you. <laughs> right. So, uh, 
Yeah. Like those uh, traditional razors. If you go, if you're still a, <laughs> a chump that goes to the regular drugstore and buys razors and hasn't uh, switched to Harry's yet, then uh, yeah, right. dollar, razors dollar shave are, club. Yeah. <laughs> razors are more valuable than gold. The way they keep them locked up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and Bobby also mentions that both Sears and Kmart stores aren't going to carry yes. the album. So it's a weird. Is that in this minute or is that the next minute? That I think that was in the minute before. I think we talked about it a teeny oh, was it really? bit. Okay. But yeah, because I think you were speculating. I don't recall Sears ever having records. Yeah, it was yeah. either before or after. But yeah, so yeah, definitely Kmart had a music section with uh, with records and cassettes and all that sort. Mm-hmm. Maybe Sears did too. Or maybe that's, hey, improv. They're just going by the seat of their pants there. I imagine they probably. Do you think they? I was going to guess that they had to have that cleared by uh, mm. Sears and Kmart, you know, to cause they didn't want to get trouble by them. But uh, who knows? <laughs> I guess it was. Yeah, I guess it was okay because they're getting associated with their uh, their upstanding citizens. They're not going to carry the yeah. album with this awful, awful cover, so it it speaks well to uh, to their corporate stewardship. And what would they be the equivalent around? today? What would be the equivalent today if if they said both? What would be the two venues at the Target that, and Walmart? Target and Walmart. Guess. Yeah. Wow. But even that must be a fraction compared to how many people like download it and stuff, right? Right. Right. So. Is it even possible to? Yeah. Does the, what? What does the album cover even mean anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, it's just it's the picture that shows up on your phone, the little one inch square you see while it's playing as an MP3. You don't even really have a cover anymore. Uh, the yeah, and so and you wouldn't even need. Who needs the record company if they don't like your cover? If they don't like it, something you throw it up on your website for five dollars a download. You don't even need a record company anymore. I would assume by this point, Tap is like doing their own uh, label and stuff. Probably because no one else would would give them a contract. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming. Yeah, maybe they've got a label where they're also um, you know, shepherding in younger artists. Younger artists. Bringing them to the fore. Yeah, it, it's interesting with all the trends that they chased. I don't think Tap ever jumped on the creating their own label. They don't have uh something comparable to the Apple that the Beatles started or anything of that sort. Mm-hmm. Are you guys metalheads? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> wow, I what say a good question. The, the first cassette I bought, we were talking about first purchases. The first cassette I bought was uh, the Scorpions Live. They had a, a double album from uh, their world tour around uh, the Rocky Like a Hurricane time. So uh, I've listened to a bit of metal in my day. I remember in junior high going into the local record shop this at this time it was in Grass Valley, California, and um, this isn't really metal related so much. But just I remember going in and saying, "Do I spend my hard earned dollars from doing the lawn, the family laundry?" Because we we didn't have a lawn, we didn't have a washer and dryer in our apartment. I was living with my dad at the time, and uh, so my brother and I would have to cart the laundry down like five blocks to the laundromat. So I, I think I got a little bit of an allowance for that. And I remember making my decision of whether I was going to buy the latest Van Halen album or the latest Blondie album. So I was kind of in my transitional Ooh. period and Blondie won out. 
which Blondie? Um... Yeah, I'd have to say which which Van Halen and which Blondie. Yeah, good question. I guess okay. This is um, context clues for our listeners. You know that my first album was Steve Miller Band, <laughs> <laughs> and that was in Seal Beach, California, and uh, that was uh, the one with the Pegasus on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, not the best of with the Pegasus head, but the one with the full Pegasus on it. I'll let people out there do the math. I don't remember right now. Well, no, it was parallel lines. Hmm. So, yeah. I remember um, me and my couple of my girlfriends, we would uh, do a lot of hairbrush microphone singing to parallel lines. So many good songs on there. Good times. Good times. Great oldies. I was never a metalhead. If anything, I probably listened to more hard rock now than I did when I was a teenager. Mm. But like, I, I, I did not like Led Zeppelin when I was a teenager, and but since then I've come to appreciate them. I think I just associated it with like the burnout kids at uh, at high school, you know. Yeah. So um, what now kind I associate of stuff with did you listen adults, to so. in high school? <laughs> what did you listen to in high school, Alex? Um. The Beatles were my number one thing. I listened to them repeatedly, and uh, I can barely remember anything else. Like I mm-hmm. said, Weird Al was my first purchase. I listened to the Beatles, and but um, I must have had other cassettes. Weird. You know, I really can't think of too many other ones. I really was obsessive about listening to the Beatles repeatedly. Mm. So it was, uh, you know. Well, they that's you know th- their music does stand up to repeated listenings. Yeah, and I don't have any of my cassettes anymore, so uh, so I, I can't even look back and go, oh, yeah, I remember this one. So, uh, hmm, weird. Oh, Yes. I listened to Yes's mm. album, 90125. I listened to <laughs> yeah. that yeah. one I listened to a lot. <laughs> so uh, it really wasn't until I got to college that my musical taste kind of broadened a lot more. So um, Yeah, college yeah. will do that to you. Mm-hmm, hopefully. Yeah, but that actually, that was my first uh, my first LP purchase. That that yes album, hmm. so, uh, yeah. That's funny because that's probably the most boring LP cover yes ever did. <laughs> <laughs> it was like gray with like some colored lines on it or something, or like some weird. Yeah, it was just gray with just like a Y, like a a, a colored Y, very plain cover. Yeah. Considering all the the trippy album covers they had, that was kind of funny that to have that one. Yeah. So I the think, other weird yeah. thing is that um, they yeah. bring up the white album. And the White Album had come out 14 years before this that this was filmed. Right. Right. This isn't a current release. No, but it's just weird that, the, uh, like, we are now, what, 35 years? <laughs> yeah. So it's much closer to the White Album time than it is to present time. Right. Okay, and now we all feel old. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's just freaky. So, But yeah, yeah. I love figuring that kind of stuff out. Like, huh, the uh, Beatles broke up closer to World War II than they did to today. You know, Weird. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So. Or, you know, to uh, today's college freshman, Tupac was always a hologram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to make some people feel old? Yeah. People born after Tupac and Biggie died are now in college. Oh my All right. You're welcome. Yeah, I guess we're at the point where now pretty soon college freshmen are going to be born in the 2000s, right? That, oh my God, you're right. Freaky. Wow. 
Well, this is a little, yeah. <laughs> it really puts things in perspective. All right, now everyone That's go over the weekend and slit your wrist. Too much oh my God. bleeping perspective. Yeah, too, much, yeah, too much perspective. Oh. But just uh, Bobby, Bobby looks great. Her eyes, just the dark, mm-hmm. the eyeshadow, the eyeliner. She's got the, the lips. smoky. At like she- second 54, I got a screen cap. I got it paused right at it like a snarl. She's got like mm-hmm. a raised lip. The hair tight pulled back, and she's just laying it down. She's just a powerful businesswoman. Yes. And and this album, you know, and you know, she doesn't mind. I get the feeling that if if the record company wanted to push this through, she probably you know, she might not say anything, she might let it go. But the fact that others are pushing back as well, you know, she's she's more than happy to put a stop to uh, what the band's trying to do here. Uh, and if you yeah. want to feel really old, Fr- Fran Drescher is 25 years old in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah. Sheesh. I wonder what she's up to now, if she's still in, <laughs> in the music business. I mean, I mean, Bobby Fleckman, the host is Oh, the Bobby hostess. Fleckman. If she's Bobby, still yeah. in, she can't be in the music industry anymore. She would have, she had to have gotten out. Yeah. No, she, you know, I don't know, maybe she's with Yahoo or Google or something. She's, uh. She would have jumped industries a couple times between now and then. I'm actually looking up Bobby Flackman and Google. (laughs) (laughs) According to um, Spinal Tap A to Z, uh, she left the music industry uh, completely to become a receptionist in a mortician's office. Oh my gosh! So there you go. And she did. She was a cameo in the uh, on the nanny. Weirdly, (laughs) you know what? That's that's really weird. I was just clicking around the internet the other day. And yeah, found that there was an episode of The Nanny where I guess her boss had, I never watched The Nanny, so I don't remember all the names, but whoever her boss was had a crush on one of his coworkers Mm -hmm. and everyone was trying to tell him, oh, you just like her because she looks just like The Nanny. Hmm. Gotcha. And it was Bobby Fleckman. Yeah. Like the one other appearance of Bobby Fleckman in- in pop culture. Weird. So mm. I wonder if that's on the internet somewhere. Oh, that, that episode? Or just that clip of her. I bet know. it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I've got my homework to hunt down a clip of Bobby Fleckman on the nanny. Bobby Fleckman. I wonder if there's a scene Bobby of them together. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's a scene of them together, the, the nanny and, and Bobby. Fran? Was that her name? Fran. Fran yeah, Drucker? Fran and Bobby, like, going at it, fighting over the man or whatever or maybe they're fighting you know you you take him no you take him yeah I'll look for that but uh so so anything else on on minute 15 <laughs> i think we've kind of circled and gone through and all around this minute i don't have anything on minute 15 i did go down a bit of a squig hole today Mm-mm. um which you know <laughs> was fun um <laughs> and i just noticed that um on Lenny, the Lenny and the Squig Tones album, which is um, a live album, mm-hmm. is actually really hard to get these days. Like I, I looked at it on Amazon, so I was like, "Oh, well, we could do a little link to Amazon on our website, which we will." But there's, it's like you can buy it for sixty eight dollars the album, or there's somebody I think even had a cassette of it. But it's a collector's item because of it being credited, and I saw um some pictures too of the the album 
cover and the gatefold and all that. And it has Christopher Guest as Nigel Tufnell as yeah, their nice. guitarist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that was just a fun little thing I didn't know at all and kind of surprised me when I looked at the pictures because somebody, you know, on Amazon, you can like do reviews mm-hmm. and share share images and somebody had taken pictures, lovingly taken a picture of the front and the back and the inside and everything. I was like, huh, I know that guy. <laughs> Yeah, so so these guys, at least the core of uh, Rob Reiner and Chris Guest and, and Michael McKeon, had had worked together and known each other and had been trying to make this movie for a while. Because that was, was 78, the um, Lenny and the Squigtones. I'm trying to, I don't recall the year offhand, but it, it was several years that they've, you know, they kind of had this idea and they were trying to do this thing. 79, uh, yeah. 79. And so it's it's three years later where they're filming this. Yeah. But uh yeah, so this was this was in the works. Yeah, yeah so-, so I'll I'll link a couple videos too cuz it was fun to just I looked watched a couple videos of them performing and and I remembered you know enjoying them on Laverne and Shirley, but it was fun to see, you know, both of them, David Lander as Squiggy, mm-hmm. and it, it was just it was good. This high quality humor and musicianship just like just like old Spinal Tap. Mhm. And how so, yeah, anything else from anybody before we wrap this baby up, wrap up Friday? Uh, Ian looks weirdly cross-eyed in the scene. <laughs> he does. <laughs> when, he's, he does. Uh, when he's, when she's, uh, you know, reprimanding him. Yeah. He's got a, he's, yeah, he makes a lot of interesting faces. It does, it's very cross-eyed here at the end, yeah. Kind of like a cross-eyed turtle, turtle look. I don't know what's turtley about him, but I think of a turtle when I see him. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Sean. Uh, that's all I got. I think uh, I think cross-eyed turtle kind of sums okay. it up. Well, Minute fifteen. Yeah, and I um, obviously we want to thank you, Alex, for being here. And I'm gonna throw out our little plugs, but I'd love to know what's going on with you besides Star Wars Minute. What else is going on? And I'll just say you can find us really quick. You can find us at StarWarsMinute.com. That will lead you to everything else. So I'll, I'll make that nice and short. Um, I think you mean SpinalTapMinute.com. Oh, my God. I did it again, you guys. <laughs> I've been binging Star Wars Minute this today. So it's in my head. So, well, if you go to StarWarsMinute.com, that's one place you can find Alex. <laughs> and you can find us at SpinalTap minute.com good thing i've got my my screen in front of my microphone for that one yeah but i'd love to know um a little bit more about what's going on with with you alex if you're willing to share uh sure um in addition to being a um podcaster i'm a cartoonist i have several graphic novels uh out i'm working on a new one which is tentatively called cosmic saga which is slated to be like at this rate, like 500 pages long. So it's probably going to wow. be a, uh, a while before it's complete. Yeah. So uh, that's, uh, but yeah, I have a couple of other graphic novels, most of them put out by top shelf publications. Most of them are slice of life type comics dealing with, I'd like to say they're like Archie comics, but with cursing and nudity in it. So if that <laughs> sounds intriguing to you, then uh, I got some books I got to sell you. And of course, <laughs> Find all that stuff at comicbookalex.com. Yeah, and I like following you on uh, Instagram and 
you're always sharing like little peeks behind the scene of you, you know, you your panels and such. Got to keep really the uh, prime. Got to keep the pump primed. Mm-hmm. Social network pump. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite things about Instagram is following along with artists and other creative people when they're sharing their process. And uh, so I-, I recommend people follow you. Instagram too. Well, thank you. <laughs> Sean, shall we get the heck out of here? Yeah, let's just shut it down. So um, <laughs> that's it for minute 15 and week number three of Spinal Tap Minute. Uh, enjoy your weekend, feel good about yourself, and come back ready for more on Monday. Until then, and so say all of us, tap, tap into, into America. America. America.